This week's episode of Bitchless Bride and Beyond is brought to you by the Protégé Collaborative. Founded by Tasha Bracken of Tasha Bracken's Events, yay! The Protégé Collaborative is a resource for planners that want to learn, grow, and collaborate. It will be hosting its first workshop on Sunday, January 12th, 2020 at Catalyst Restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts. If you are thinking about starting your own wedding planning business or just a planner who wants to elevate your client experience, up-level your back-end systems, create or refine your design portfolio, and learn how to set yourself apart online, then this workshop is for you. The Protégé Collaborative brings together some of the best in the industry. Sarah Koval, David DeChico, Molly Morocco, and Robin Yee. You'll walk away with sample contracts, budgets, pricing structures, and ideas for creating a client experience that fits your brand. There will also be talented photographers taking headshots, and you'll have an amazing opportunity to create tablescape designs for your portfolio, and of course, an amazing lunch provided by Catalyst. For more information, visit theprotegecollaborative.com. Thank you for being here, everybody. I am Deb DeFrancesco, and I have Nathan Venn in the studio with me today. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, Welcome back. And I love being back in the space. I know. Oh, my God. We're so happy here. We are at the Podcast Garage in Austin, Massachusetts. Anyway, um, so we we have our conversation is a little twofold today. So today we're going to talk about how to plan a wedding when a close family member is seriously ill, which I know is totally morbid, but it's a very real, real sediment and it happens quite a bit. And also we are talking to uh, the executive director of Brides Against Breast Cancer, Drew Edwards, to talk about how you can give back to a worthy cause. So I will actually start with that. We have Drew Edwards, Brides Against Breast Cancer, which was founded and formed in 1997. I brought him on the show to talk about what it is, what they do, and how they can help. So Drew, are you there? I am here and uh, and happy to join you in this conversation. So thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, this this podcast is going to air on the last day of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I thought it would be fantastic to chat with you. Um, Brides Against Breast Cancer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it, so it seems like we barely made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to say. Well, scheduling too. And you know what? This will come out on Halloween, which is a happy day. And so we, like, we had talked about how the focus is about early awareness and detection education. So, I mean, I think what I'd love to learn from you, I mean, just to educate our brides out there, um, it's obviously Brides Against Breast Cancer is a charity. You support early detection programs, research, legislative, uh, ooh, legislative what? Are you all right over there? <laughs> oh my God, I, I think I might've had too much caffeine, which is always my problem. There uh, we go. <laughs> Nathan's back. Um, as I mentioned, it was formed in 97, and you, Drew, became endeared to the organization because your your wife bought her dress, which is amazing off of the the website. So tell me everything you can. I'm very curious. Well, I'd love to do that. Um, as the same token, I don't know how much time I have, so um, you kind of helped steer me. But Of course. Um, yes, Black Breast Cancer was formed in 1997, and the premise of it was to recycle um, high-end wedding dresses, and those come from consumers mostly, but also sometimes bridal salons, and we recycle them, repackage and clean them, and then sell them for 80 to 90 percent off retail wow. and then that money uh over time has actually become our main way of funding our charity in addition to normal charity efforts and so um as an organization that's why it's called brides against breast cancer um because that's what we started doing in 1997 fast forwarding to today um you know an organization goes through changes and different focuses 
um, we still kind of do the same thing, if you will. Um, and our mission now is very refined, uh, as you mentioned earlier, on early awareness and detection education. And uh, we're very excited, and uh, we continue to do well as far as, on one hand, getting exposure so people will donate to us. And New York Times did a really big article on us uh, last December. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and at the same token, um, believe it or not, it's a challenge, or however deep you want to get. But it's also finding the right bride that wants to buy a non-new dress. And so my expertise, and I'm the volunteer executive director, so the whole management team at our charity are all volunteers. 100% of every dollar goes to work. Wow. So that's not the case with a lot of charities. With the same token, we're not a big big charity, but we are a national charity, a 501c3. Um, but finding the brides that want to buy a non-new dress, again, I can go deep into it, is also one of our ongoing challenges. And so we really appreciate you giving us some exposure and talking to us about what we do for our charity. And part of that is also the world of wedding dresses. No, oh, of course. So tell us about that, Brian, because... I mean, I, I feel like a lot of brides, they love the idea of it, but maybe when it comes down to it, they are like, oh, no, I need something new. And let, let's re-educate them and tell them how they don't really need something new. It's basically new. Someone only wore it once. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about, you said you were struggling. So tell us a little bit about that struggle and let's see how we can help. Yeah, well, it's been an ongoing struggle. So I feel, you know, I feel stable in my struggle um, and I'm <laughs> for our organization. Um but yeah, so if I was in a room, and I'll just talk out loud if I can about it, but if I said, hey, how many people, I had 100 brides, I said, how many here would we consider buying a really great dress at 80, 90% off, and it's going to be a sample, or it's been gently worn once, and the benefit is that you are helping support a breast cancer charity, you're also helping supporting the earth, because this is effectively recycling, so we use the recycling logo with pink, and oh, that that's awesome. notoriety, right, so I ask people to raise their hands, and I'm I'm doing the best I can to explain the story, but of a room of 100, probably 50 brides would raise their hand. And we go, wow, that's super awesome because if we get the word out, these women are going to be really interested in buying one of these dresses. And I have two challenges, too, because one's on the donating, which I'll get to in a moment. Sure. But on the buying side, um, you know, uh, 50 of them raise their hand. But when it comes down to, like a lot of things, when it comes down to putting cash on the table and the final definitive decision, and you're at the bridal salon, you're with your mom, your aunt, your friends. You have lots of emotion. You thought about it, you know, for obviously a while. And sure. maybe growing up as a little girl. And then this, this cloud comes across saying, it's my special day and I want new. I'm not wanting to have something that's not new because it's my one unique special day. And when you get that filter done, uh, I would probably bet my life on it that only five or less of the 50 would actually buy this dress. They oh. say they will. When it comes down to it, they kind of get back, and it's understandable, just kind of get back to kind of a psychological narrative. And it's truly only maybe, you know, two to five percent of women would buy a non new wedding dress. It's increasing, and millennials are helping to that cause. But these are the brass facts of our world. Oh, my goodness. That is, I mean, in one hand, I, I, I do understand. I truly understand. But on the other side of that, I feel like the face of weddings is changing a lot, too. People are doing green, you know, and people are doing green weddings and people are trying to see how they can make a difference, not only in, you know, supporting foundations that give money to breast cancer awareness, but also so that they can be more green. And this is really one of the best ways you can do it. What's the process like? So do I go to your website? Can you walk me through? If I'm a bride who's like, you know what? Fuck this noise. I don't need a new dress. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, 
I want to give back. Or like the dress piece isn't as important to me. I don't care if it's been used. I want to spend money on the food and I want to spend money on the booze for my party. Or I want a really awesome dress at a great price. Yeah, exactly. So so what do I do? So I am that girl. I'm your 2 to 5% and growing, we're going to say. <laughs> well, I appreciate the support. Um, so one... Um, which is really difficult for most people in the country, but we had a salon here in Atlanta in the process of moving it, so it's temporarily kind of in storage, finding a new location. Um, and then secondly, in January, um, so not at the exact moment, uh, you can email us if you'd like, but we're kind of launching a new phase of our website. And basically we have a store and a store model, which means in a lot of cities across America, we have one salon that we've partnered with. Oh, that's and amazing. They, and they in turn will have a special section where they can – um, sell the Brides Against Breast Cancer dresses. And that's what we're doing now throughout the country. But it's kind of like a, a formal launch of this method because it is working well. But because in the past, if you went on YouTube, you would get over 1,000 videos of, of pop-up shows that we did. So at the height of the organization, like Amazon has changed things, right? It's really impacted how retail is done. Yep. Technology has changed things. Obviously, things change with time. But over the 22 years, at the height of the organization, which might have been 10 years ago as it relates to pop-up shows, right? You know, we had five 18-wheelers. We are doing 150 to 200 shows a year. Oh, my That's three God. to four every weekend. Oh, my God. And it was like a circus coming to town, and it would be hundreds and hundreds of people. And it was kind of like a reverberation. Do you remember something out of New York in the 90s called Running of the Brides? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> You do? Yes. Okay, so Running Other Brides had a big life, and then it started dying, and it's dead, right? And so this is kind of an outcry. Let's bring it's it like back. Doing a mini, it's <laughs> like doing a mini Running of the Brides, higher quality dresses, more of an experiential concept. Um, but it's kind of a little bit of an offshoot of that. But as economies change, the world's changed, the dress industry has changed. Alfred Angelo, which was the – and tell me how deep you want to get in all this, but when I'm, I'm not like a black ninja-rated – wedding dress expert. So I'm going <laughs> that's why you're but here, Drew. Angelo, I'm sorry? I said, that's why you're here. We want we want Ninja. Okay. All right. So this is on the fun side. But um, anyway, Alfred Angelo, which has been, been around for 120 years, that's the longest wedding dress manufacturer in the United States, they went bankrupt about a year and a half ago. Um, Demetrius, which was the number five maker of wedding dresses, bankrupt mm-hmm. also like six months later. Um, Davis Bridal has kind of a spotted reputation in the business. We don't have to get into it, but they've been in and out of bankruptcy. <laughs> I've heard that. The I've past. heard that. They are yeah, not the a sponsor, 20, so it's okay. Yeah, for like the past 20 years. And so the industry has just changed, and it goes down that whole rabbit hole of discussing why and what's happening. Uh, and I could talk to it, but that in turn has also impacted how do we sell the dresses and connect with brides. Um, so anyway, I'm just kind of going back in time with how we used to do it, and now the new model is this. The second thing is, we, in January, we are launching a dress exchange, which is called Second Life Wedding Dresses. Wow. Okay. So secondlifeweddingdresses.com will be launched in January. We've been working on it for about 10 months. And this is an exchange where women can connect with each other. And it's similar to existing websites. It's not a new idea. Um, there are sites out there, um, for example, preownedweddingdresses.com or stillwhite.com. Um, or borrowingmagnolia.com. Those yeah. are three big ones. And okay. they connect, and I can talk more about this, but this would be really beneficial to the people on this call. Um, but anyway, those sites connect buyers and sellers, and that's what we would do, but it's coming from a charity angle. So those services charge 25 to $50 to list the address. 
I could go down the rabbit hole of how that ends up. And where that ends but up, yeah. in our case, our listing service will be free, and we're just going to ask for a donation, whatever you feel your financial ability is, for providing a service of matching buyers and sellers. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and so it supports green. It supports being economically affordable for, you know, from where you're at. So that's called Second Life Wedding Dresses, and that actually hits on a nerve point, which is on the donating side. So that was kind of on how do brides buy. The other challenge we have is getting brides to donate. And on that note, um, a lot of women, and this is definitely more from yesteryear, but they would, <laughs> they would spend 100, 160 bucks, $200, get the dress, dry, clean, pressed, air sealed. Yeah. Say one day my daughter or my niece or someone special is going to wear it. Not going to happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen anymore. It, I feel not like people happen. would, yeah, I feel like people would maybe take snippets of it and incorporate it if they're going to get their dress made or maybe. But, like, I can't even – it wouldn't even dawn on me at this point in my life. No, and then there's the whole so, trash the dress, yes, you know. I did that. I trashed yeah. my wedding dress. But don't. Yeah, so, give it. <laughs> give it to Brian to get breast cancer. <laughs> that's right. But here's here's the catch. Here's the catch. Is, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on how it's radically changed, which is true. But a lot of people, again, kind of like on the buying side, on the donating side, have the same need. You're like, oh, that was my special dress. That's my special day. I, I you know, felt really great. Good memories. Yeah. And they will lug this around. And I know this because we have thousands and thousands. We've resold over 50,000 dresses. Wow. a snapshot of how much we're in the business. Um, so they'll drag this around. And then around year 10 to year 30, somehow, someway, they're moving. They're cleaning out. They're downsizing. They're simplifying. They have an aha moment. Or they watch Marie Kondo. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love her. Okay. Whatever it takes to go, you know what? I'm going to donate my nice dress because we need nice dresses. Um, I'm going to donate my nice dress. And they research. They find us. We're on all over the Internet. Great. They call us. I have a great dress. Dress sealed. 15 years old. Love to donate it. Um, we're really happy to do so. And we have to say that's really nice of you. And it's cool. And thanks for finding us. And we hate to be so frank. But your dress is out of style. <laughs> Nobody wants no a 15-year-old. Yeah. We have no ability to resell it. So if you send it to us, we'll spend $100 processing it. And then we're just not going to be able to sell it. Oh. And so my point here is we really got to get dresses that are four years old or newer so they have relevancy to fashion and being resold and repositioned or they're unsellable. So that's our other challenge is getting to the bride in an early state of mind and saying, hey, you had an awesome wedding, blah, blah, blah. Why not donate it, help the breast cancer cause, get a tax write-off, help support recycling, and have a cleaner lifestyle, but you need to do it within four years of your marriage. I mean, you maybe you should. 10 to 30 years out. Maybe that should be something where the bride's listening to this, could, where they kind of build that into their wedding planning. And maybe they say, okay, I'm, I'm going to get this gorgeous dress, whatever it may be. And afterward, this is my plan for it. And just kind of go along with the rest of the wedding planning that they're doing anyway and just say, all right, when I get back from my honeymoon, I am going to send this to Brides Against Breast Cancer. I am giving back. I'm getting a tax write-off in the year, which will help me <laughs> because I just spent a shitload of money on my wedding. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you're you're being very keen on this phone call and then I'll also share a few stuff that's kind of in our testing phase, as I mentioned some other things that will also be rolling out in January. Nice. And that is exactly what you just said, that we now have testing going on with Brides and it's been successful so far, where the bride actually educates the people at the wedding group, and they go, listen, um, I, part of my gift to you is is I really want to heighten the awareness of breast cancer, what's involved in early detection education. Yes. So they're giving our charity education information out at the wedding as part of, like, the receiving kit. But yeah. their gift to their audience is I'm going to give you some education. I'm going to tell you about brides against breast cancer. 
and I'm letting you know I'm donating my dress to help this cause. That's amazing. The you know it's so interesting. We talked uh, we we talked a lot about like shitty wedding favors that no one uses. <laughs> yes. And what we've seen too is is the bride can share all of that, but maybe in lieu of a favor, say I am sharing my wedding dress. This is what Brides Against Breast Cancer is. This is what they do. And I'm making a donation. And I'm making a donation. And for any other brides out there getting married, check out this site because I'm sure what we're finding too. Are, are the brides are going to maybe 10 or 12 weddings that year, depending on where they are in the phase of, of, you know, with their friendships and the people around them when they're getting married. So this could, this could be kind of like a catching on. What's the phrase I'm looking for? You know what I mean? Like Nathan, come on. Dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, waving no, your no, hands like, in the air. I'm waving my hands in the air, <laughs> but no, what I'm saying, like it, it could just like wildfire. There you go. <laughs> there it is. I would love I would love some wildfire. Speaking of wildfire, your vibe of your show and your name, I'm telling you, it makes me smile ear to ear because Aww. it encapsulates, hey, whatever your situation is, enjoy the ride, enjoy life and, and you know, whether you're you know, wealthy or or not wealthy or middle or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're just you know, you got such a great vibe and so Aww, it's exciting to be able to share what we do in conjunction with uh, what you do. No, I and, and truly like I I I'm really taking leap season three. I still want to talk about weddings, but I also want to kind of talk about all the stuff that happens after you plan your wedding and meet your life, whatever, however that looks and whoever you are. But I also am somebody, you know, my grand, my grandmother died of breast cancer. Uh, my mom has gotten checked. I'm getting checked. And it's something, you know, that's in our family history. I don't know of anyone who doesn't have the big C somewhere in their line of, uh, like, you know, heredity, you know, just trying to find... I want to find ways I can give back and and if it's on the podcast and I, you know, this started, I received one of your marketing emails and I was, I was like really drawn to it and I started exploring and then, um, you and I talked and it just kind of took off from there and it's really nice to have somebody on the show who is so passionate about a cause, who's a total volunteer. I mean, Drew, you don't make money from this and, and I know you have another life outside of this and that is incredible what you're doing and I mean just to give a few facts about breast cancer according to the National Breast Cancer Foundation in 2019 an estimated 268,600 cases of invasive breast cancer will be diagnosed in women in the U.S. as well as just shy of 63,000 of non-invasive of breast cancer um Let's see, 62% of breast cancer cases are diagnosed at a localized stage for which the five-year survival rate is 99%. So kind of going back to what you were saying, early awareness and early detection education. What can you tell us about that? Well, um, in a business manner, and you're right, I'm a volunteer for organizations. Kind of in my business life, I have to put numbers and quantifications of things. Um, for what our kind of skill set is, you know, for the volunteer management team, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of great charities out there, and there's also a lot of charities that aren't so great, just to be frank. It's kind of an elephant in the room. No, um, I but, love it. Um, Bring on the elephants. Yeah. Yeah. As it relates to um, early awareness, so if we have a pot of money, i use a simple example, call it you know, $100, right. um, and I'll do the best parallel example I can give at this point. Um, on one hand, you could say maybe you know, I'm going to go deep on research and, and fund research, and therefore I'm going to spend $100 on research. Or you may say, hey, I'll spend two chunks of $50 on treatment, and different charities do different things um, you know, in, these, in these regards. Right. Um, the Breast Cancer Research Foundation out of New York is super awesome. They're getting lots of acclaim. 
I hope they stay awesome as they get big because that's a challenge. But they do really great in research. But here's the other angle. If I have $100, what I could do is I could spend 100 times $1 on early awareness and education detection. And at the end result, like I mentioned about the treatments, if I ended up saving two lives, let's say, as the two treatments would for $50 each, wow. then, the, then the net result is the same, right? For $100, yeah. I eventually was able to get two women to notice, or you could spend 50-50 in two treatments. But our challenge is, hey, if we spend 100 and we get better and better at connecting with women, and I can talk deeper on this, as you know I can, <laughs> um, but if I get better and better, hey, if we can impact maybe four women uh, out of our $100 spend, and we're kind of getting ahead of the efficiency. We're getting much more efficient on our dollars spent to a certain degree as it relates to our management style and team. So, you know, we're not doctors. We're not researchers. So on the side of marketing, connecting, and, and moving the needle, yeah. right? Because right now you have – it really is this big. You have billions being spent on breast cancer awareness, but all that money spent is not correlating to the detection of early-stage breast cancer. In other words, that's called pinkwashing. I'm not inventing that phrase. So everyone's kind of mass media aware, but it's taking more than that. And that's some of the stuff that we do. I could get into it, but some of the stuff that we do that is trying to move the needle to have more women truly embrace this and do it. I'll give you one example. Sure. It's actually uh, one of the the lines on our shirt, which actually gets a lot of conversation going, which is great. We have a, a cool shirt for our charity. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the kind of the tagline, if you will, uh, at the moment is early detection can save your life and the impact to your family. Oof. Oh, I just so felt that down, like through my whole spine. Yeah. yeah, so to drill down on this, I could talk to like about the women, you know, 50 women say they'll buy the dress, but only three will buy. Right. I can talk blue in the face about early awareness. People get it. It's going to be packing your life. You should do it. And, you know, probably half, half of those women, it could be men for another case, so I'm not being gender specific but Stop maybe grabbing yourself half at best or less <laughs> will actually do it they're just too busy etc but here's the elephant in the room again no one wants to really acknowledge that they might be sick that's like very scary. true that's scary for people people don't like to go to the doctor people don't you know what i mean like that's like yeah yeah I and mean, people don't like going to the dentist we can go on and on so the elephant in the room is the majority of people obviously speaking and i'm guilty of this too sometimes it's hard for me to kind of confront it Right, of so we just kind of gloss over it. I'll do it next year. And you then it's real. Go, these are the facts versus <laughs> yeah. all the nice, nice talk. These are the facts. What we have found in a subjective manner as a small charity is that we say, listen, you need to do this test not only for yourself. But I want you to think for a moment now that you might leave your kids stranded, your husband, <sighs> your parents. How are you going to feel? <laughs> oh, yeah. like, where's the tissue? I know where's the tissue. <laughs> but it makes it real. But it, no, but it, but right, it makes it real. Yeah. And so we're getting a lot of success kind of on that. And so that's an example of what we're doing on this relationship marketing, one-on-one style marketing, and moving the needle. We have found disproportionately that a lot of people have emailed us back, verbally told us, emailed us back, et cetera, and said, you know, until you told me about impacting my family, I wasn't sure I was going to do the early awareness or the, or the mammogram, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that really touched a nerve. Yeah. So if, it, so if people say, I don't care about myself, I'm saying, well, what about your family? That's a that very good point. The needle. That's that I have to say, like sometimes when I don't want to do something, I recently had a surgery that I kept putting off and putting off and putting off. And then I started thinking about how it's affecting my life, but not just mine, but my life with my children. And it's night and day. And that kind of pushed me to go actually get something like to go get it done. So, well, Drew, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show. You are amazing. Where can people find you? 
so the easiest, I mean, it's kind of like a master repository, I guess, of what we do and, and how we operate is our website, which a lot of people can figure out. It's uh, bridesagainstbreastcancer.org. Um, and we are kind of going through this uh, relaunch phase I mentioned on, on many accounts. So it's going to be much more robust and strong come January. Great. So just giving people kind of heads up, including uh, that other website division of ours called Second Life Wedding Dresses. Um, but most important message I could put out there would be kind of on three fronts. It would be, one, if you're getting married and you're listening to this, please consider donating your dress. We you have to do it within four years or it will be worthless. No one's going to take it. It's a sad story. It's going <laughs> it to go to a trash bin. And, and you got to do it within four years. I'm trying to ring that bell. Done. On the buying side, I know this is your special day and you want it to be new. But if you buy into that you're helping a good cause, you buy into that uh, it promotes recycling, if you buy into your kind of part of this good wave of energy, including even using our wedding program, I'm just saying on the sure. the buying side uh, and, and donating side, I'm trying to better connect. It's our challenge with the bride. So one, donating four years or less. Lastly, on the charity mission side, uh, again, elephant in the room. A lot of people are kind of skittish that a lot of charities are not um, efficient. You know, like maybe uh, half charities are not really run properly, and then some are not really effective. And it's like, well... Who do I really choose? Like, I want to support breast cancer. Kind of like you said, you're endeared to it. Right. But who do you really reach out to? So I think rolling up your sleeves is great. I think kind of smaller slash localized slash relationship uh, marketing style, I think, does move the needle more at this point. It was really useful 5, 10, 15 years ago than saying, and I hate to, you know, I'm trying to disparage, but sure. saying, hey, I'll give 100 bucks to Susan G. Komen because it's so branded to me. Um, I think there's other choices, whether it's us or other, you know, like breast cancer charities. So my third point is, if you want to get back to breast cancer, roll up your sleeves, do a little bit of research, but kind of tilt toward the, the smaller style ones versus the larger ones. Not all the time, but most of the time. No, but I like it. No, and those are great messages. And, and thank you. So if you guys... Again, biggest point, donate your dress. Do it within the first year. Like, do it do it in the next month. Get, rid, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Um, and, I mean, and by get rid of it, I mean send it to Drew at Brides Against <laughs> Breast Cancer. And the other side of that is your wedding dress, it's still new to you. I think no matter what it means, is it's still new to you. It's obviously been washed and taken care of. And know that, I mean, how great is it that that wedding dress got seen two times and, and two very special days for people? I mean, I think when we when we dumb it down... It's still a piece of clothing, no matter how we look at it. So, Drew, thank you so much for being here. You are an absolute rock star. Thank you for doing everything that you're doing for raising awareness and early detection. And you are fantastic. Well, it's a pleasure. And thanks so much. But I I do want to also deflect a little bit. We have lots of volunteers that help out. I'm just one spoke in the wheel. And I'm really just trying to push the message of the, the charity platform to get people to think as you do. Get people kind of think about this event and make it the best possible, not get wrapped up in the drama. Yes. Amen. That <laughs> is awesome. Right? Awesome. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take the conversation just to talk a little bit about how one, uh, how to plan your wedding when a close family member is seriously ill. And like I said, it's not the most uplifting topic we've ever talked about, but I do think it needs to be talked about. So, Drew, you're welcome to stay on and chime in, or you can hang up. Whatever works for you. <laughs> Well, I'd love to stay in. I'll definitely listen to it. I do listen to your iPod. Um, but uh, the UPS man is here, and I got a bunch of dresses coming <laughs> in. I got to run. All, All right. right. Well, thank, thank you, you so. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye bye. 
we're trying to to you know strategize around the best and worst case scenarios around an illness and working with couples navigating wedding planning and dealing with a family member's illness and untimely death did i get that name i, I think feel so. like that, that all right cool better. i'm so glad you're here Aww. um i know this feels uncomfortable but that's exactly why i want to talk about that and nate and i can share our tips and experiences with you so that we can help you deal with the enormity of the situation with grace and while keeping your mind your own like have the wedding you, you can still have the wedding you want you can still have the things you want but you might just have to be open to the idea of flipping things around a little bit so I mean our suggestions will be different based on your situation and I mean I do want to say first and foremost I am so sorry if this is touching you right now I'm so sorry that you're dealing with this especially around your wedding I'm sorry that someone you love is ill and I'm sorry that the timing is fucking terrible like I just <laughs> it is right so let's talk about your choices uh Nathan why don't you start we're we're just kind of throwing things out here just based on what we've seen um and really, you know, being at a venue, I think I've I've seen where there's a close relative, you know, most often, unfortunately, that I've directly dealt with. It's a father of a bride. Right. Oh, you know, and, all, yeah. And every bride has that dad's going to walk me down the aisle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and know. it's it's a hard situation. Um, and I've definitely had it where we move it up, you know, being at a venue. What's your next available date? And yes. We, we move it up. Yeah. Or I've had brides that have done something smaller sooner. Sooner. And then still kind of kept their, their other plans as well. Well, and that's that's something huge. And I think one of the main things as I was researching for the show was you, you have to grieve the wedding that you want. So like you said, Nathan – you know, change the date. You might even have to change the location. Reach out to a planner if you're not working with one already. You know, and and truly at the risk of selling, sounding callous, like you might have to grieve the wedding you wanted and then plan something entirely different. And different isn't necessarily bad. And there are no right answers here, but some perspectives might help. Um, you know, Nathan and I were talking earlier about moving up your, moving your wedding, even if it's not ideal or exactly what you wanted and planning your wedding could actually be like a nice distraction from the illness and conversation around it. Like, I feel like when people are sick, that's, they go down this rabbit hole and they don't even mean to, but that's all they end up talking about is the illness. And so it, it may be difficult to find happiness when someone you love is sick, but it's also a great escape for them too. So bring them into the planning and like, the flip side is having your wedding on the original date. And if that's what you choose, I totally support you. But I, I know a few couples who, in retrospect, would have given anything to have photos or videos with their loved ones in them and not have, like, their wedding day void by an empty chair. Like, I know I'm... No, I'm I get that. It seemed to... I can say... Three weeks ago, congratulations to my sister, got Yay! married. And last minute... Our grandfather has Alzheimer's and oh. and was going to be there. And we were very excited for him to be there. But at the last minute, there had to be a change and he couldn't come. Um, and luckily, my sister understood. Sure. You know, it was very, she was sad that he couldn't be there. But at the same time, like, you can't control everything. True. Very and true. There were lots of photos. There was FaceTime. Like, there's other ways to. Technology. Technology to incorporate them and bring them in. And, you know, there was definitely a moment in some of the speeches where it's like for those that can't be here and, and honoring them. Um, but you still have to go with it and do it. Exactly. And, just, and enjoy the day. Well, and I think that's, it's such a hard balance because you want to enjoy the day. You don't want to take it to a negative place by 
talking about it or being in it too much because it's still like a very happy day. Um, but, you know, and kind of like you said, there's definitely some people who are like, I'm not going to move it or I'm going to move it up and I'm going to move it closer. But like, I think it's important to consider all scenarios. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, and, and talk to the person. I mean, if it's your mom, if it's your dad or sibling or, or whom, whomever it is and be like, what do you think? I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like not impending doom, but I like, how, what would you want? What would make you happy in this? Because I'm, I'm struggling because there is no right choice. And that, I think that's the hardest, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to do. And, and it's, and it's like the other side of that, that there was one story I read online where somebody basically said that like a loved one had passed pretty close to the wedding day. And like, they they canceled their wedding and it was kind of TBD because they didn't their guests didn't want to feel like celebrating. But I mean, I think you can look at it like on the other side of that, too, and go, OK, well, we're going to get through the funeral. God forbid if something happens, we're going to get through some of these things. And now we have this big party and now we have a celebration after. Yeah, I think it's all circumstantial. Like, yeah. What what happened? Why exactly. Did it happen, what expected, unexpected. It's never easy. But sometimes what would that person have wanted? Exactly. You know, would, would my grandfather want us to be sad and not celebrating because he can't no. be there now he wants my sister to have like the time of her life and enjoy it as much as she can so like it's also what would that person want it, for us well, as a couple exactly and i think that's i think why this is so hard and because no situation is the same whether whether it's also like your mom whether it's your dad it's like what degree of separation is Correct. it too who is it and yeah. who is it who is it to you and how is that going to change your wedding? How is that going to make you feel in retrospect? Are you going to be a bride or groom who looks back and says, shit, I really wish that person was in the photos at the wedding. I really wish I could have heard their voice one more time in my wedding videos. And like I said, I'm not trying to bring it morbid. I'm just my... <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> no, but I really want... This is a thinking show. And I know our brains hurt. And I know that sometimes it's it's hard to think about. But this does come up. I once had a groom whose mother, unfortunately, was battling cancer. And he basically, we had plan A, B, and C, and D, kind of. And he basically said, if my mom is here, it's actually not a good thing. Because that means she didn't get the transplant she needed. Mm. And then if she's not here, it's actually good. And we, we were talking about FaceTiming it. Um, but she was there. And... It, you know, it, it's a very sad reality. And I think that nobody wants to talk about sadness, especially when it's around, you know, a happy occasion. But I, I think the other side of that, too, is I really want to focus on how, like, if somebody does pass close to your wedding, how to honor them without it being like, is there an empty chair? Which I think is so hard and so morbid. Like, yeah, awful. I don't, like, I don't like that. that. <laughs> you know, seriously, like, I don't want that. One of my, um, a million years ago on my blog, one of my brides, who actually was the director of the daycare that my daughter, when she was little, was at. Aww. She submitted her wedding, and I posted on Bitchless Pride. And this went viral. I'm not even, I've never had anything go viral. I don't even think you know what I'm going to say. So her dad um, wore a uniform. And he'd passed away shortly before her wedding, and she sewed part of his uniform into, like, in a heart near, like, the breastbone area um, close to her heart. And it was it was the blue part of his uniform close to her heart. So she had something, like... That's cool. And, and it wasn't, like, something that was going to make her cry. It was something when she puts on her dress, like, she knows he's there with her. And I've also had some brides um, who, in their bouquet, had something that was uh, had sentimental value where they're walking down the aisle, you know, whether it's a mom or a dad or whomever. So there's ways you can do it, I think, like if you're trying to honor somebody who's not with us, 
where it doesn't have to feel like you're shining this like big fucking spotlight and be like, hey, the empty chairs right here. This is so sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and again, you got to be careful too because I think depending if you do have somebody who passes close to your wedding or that you want to honor who maybe passed away years ago. Be careful. It's a very fine line when you or somebody you love is toasting you to not go down the rabbit hole of, about talking about the loved one for such a long period of time. You feel like you are at a funeral and it's a eulogy. Oh, you've got, yeah, you've oh. got experience in that one. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's Oi. right. Oi. Oi. So anyway, um, all right. I think I want to wrap it up. Right, Nate? Oh, are you Nate. ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of ready. I'm ready to move on. Next week, we have the amazing Brittany Finkel of Happily Ever Borrowed. We'll be talking about how to accessorize your wedding, which is absolutely amazing. I need one of these mink fur things oh my to God. keep me warm. Her yes. website's, like, amazing. She's Her personality's amazing. Like, I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this one. And just like I said, we're going to try and lighten it up, bring it back bridal for the next few weeks. Um, if you want to find me, hello at bitchlessbride.com bitchless bride on the socials um i've re-established myself on twitter too i kind of forgot about twitter you tweet i do wow see i've i tweeted since like 2012 you're such a cool mom in your yoga pants and your oh my god you know what fuck off i had surgery and i was in pain because i overdid it at the gym i got all excited because i could go back to the gym and i overdid it and now i have to wear yoga pants today because have to shut up nathan (laughs) oh Anyway, like I said, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or if you topics you want to discuss, I am all ears. We're like I said, season three has been so much fun. It's been a learning experience. Um, that's really that's really all I got. Anything to no, add, Nathan? No, that was no? fun. Thanks for having me. Oh my god, you're welcome. Come back next week. Okay. <laughs> and the week after. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and review. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.